Thank you, Holly. Um, I would have been glad for you to read the whole book. I would have just shortened the sermon a little bit. But um, today's text is this cha- this book from Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verses 21 through 31. And I've titled the sermon, The Vaccine for Weariness. The Vaccine for Weariness. You know, before we really get into today's passage, it might be helpful just to give you a little bit of background information about what was going on during Isaiah's day and why he was in ministry with the Jewish people of this time. Uh, The Babylonian armies had invaded the Jewish people and the results had been absolutely devastating. They had defeated the Jewish people and they had plucked them up and they had taken them into exile. Uh, This was a way to sort of weaken their spirits, to separate them from their families and their friends and and their homes. But it was more than that. It was also a way to dilute their faith because when they scattered these people all over the then known world, they scattered them amongst people that worshipped a lot of different other gods And so it began to weaken their faith as well. And so these people, the Jewish people were really bitter and they were very spiritually and emotionally exhausted because they couldn't believe that God would allow this to happen. Uh, They didn't think that God could allow this to happen or that God would allow this to happen. And Isaiah is coming to the Jewish people and saying, well, yeah, God allowed it to happen. And I know why God allowed it to happen. The reason why God allowed this to happen is because you turned your back on God. It's because of your sin. That's the reason why you are where you are. But then Isaiah, even after giving them that hard word, gave them a good word of hope, some some good news. Isaiah said, but God feels like you've paid the penalty for your sin. God feels like you've suffered enough. God feels like that it is time for God to come and redeem you and to restore you and to reconcile the relationship with you. So. So, yeah, all of this has been happening to you is your fault, but but God feels like you've suffered enough and I'm here to usher in this good news. But the problem was, is that the Jewish people no longer really believed that God could or would do something like that. They no longer believed that God uh, cared about them. And, and so. That's why Isaiah is trying to get their attention. Isaiah is like, the problem is not God's authority. The problem isn't God's power. The problem isn't God's awesomeness. He can't believe that they've forgotten this. He can't believe that that, that they're asking the question, has God not remembered me anymore? Does God not care about me anymore? Does God disregard me? That's what Isaiah is speaking to. And they're thinking that God's not as powerful as their problem. And he's like, oh, no, God is more powerful than your problem. The problem is not God's power. The problem is your forgetfulness. 
And so then Isaiah goes and tries to help them to remember all of the times and all of the ways that God has remembered and taken care of the Jewish people. Since the very beginning, Isaiah says, since the foundation of the world, God has sought to redeem and to restore and to reconcile and to save and to deliver and to provide Over and over and over again, this has been your God's motive. He has always been there, always trying to help you. Your God is powerful. Your God is awesome. Your God does have authority. But because they've been living amongst all of these other people with all of their other gods, because their God didn't come to their rescue immediately whenever trouble struck and whenever the Babylonians defeated them, they are beginning to question whether or not their God has power. Maybe these other gods have more power than our God. And Isaiah says, no, that's not true. Compared to these other gods, our God is so powerful. I mean, those other gods, they're like grasshoppers, which is a kind of a weird comparison, if you ask me. I don't know what he was trying to say. Maybe he was just trying to say that these uh, other gods compared to God's awesomeness are, are small and insignificant. Maybe they don't have a lot of defense mechanisms when they're going against our God. So your God is powerful. He's more powerful than any of the other gods. They're just insignificant grasshoppers. So don't forget that. And and Isaiah goes on to say, don't try to put your trust in the powers of the rulers of this world either, because their power is temporary. Their power, too, is insignificant. Uh, They are they are just momentary people of power. But my power is for all time. Don't look to them for the answers and the action. Look to me. And then he basically says that the gist is, is that they and often we would rather trust what is created instead of the creator. We surrender to our circumstances. We give in and are overwhelmed by our despair. But it doesn't have to be that way, Isaiah says. Isaiah says that when Times aren't going well when when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling attacked at every point that you can know that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God provides for you, that God is at work in the situation and that God will not forget you. That's what he's saying. We forget God, but God never forgets us. And so what Isaiah wants the people, the Jewish people to do is to simply trust in the God. Remember all that God has done for them in the past, the way that God has always been there for them and to trust and to wait on the Lord in their present circumstances. 
That sounds pretty good. I mean, it makes for a great sermon on Sunday mornings to give everybody a little feel good that regardless of what's going on in your life, that God loves you, that God cares about you, that God's concerned about you, that God's at work in the situation. But let's be honest, a lot of times we're skeptical because uh, we've been a part of, of, of a world that, that, that just seems to be going crazy. Uh, there's so much evil and, and death and destruction and peril in our world. Our own lives oftentimes mirror that. And if if God really did care, if God really did love us, if God really was at work in our situation, then why would we continue to be mired in the circumstances of this crazy life and this crazy world? Well, Isaiah seeks to even kind of address that by saying, you know what, there's one thing that you need to understand, and that's that you can't understand God. Uh, that, that God is at work in all things and in all ways and that God loves you and cares about you. But but you have such a limited understanding of what God is doing and how God is working. And so if you're trying to completely understand what God is up to, you're going to always be disappointed and you're going to always be frustrated Life has a way of throwing us curveballs at times and you have the bad day like the little boy in the book. And all of us have had those bad days and yet our problems are so much more significant than the ones that little boy had in his life. And it's really easy when you're going through all of those problems in life to get weary and frustrated and to grow faint. And what Isaiah is saying is that we may grow weary and we may grow faint and we may grow frustrated, but God does not. It's okay to lament. It's okay to wonder and question about where God is and what God is up to in the crazy world in which we live. But let us not let our lament be the last word. Isaiah says that what we should ultimately do is to wait on the Lord. To remember all the ways that God has been with us in the past and been at work in the past and to wait and to trust that God is at work even in our world today. To wait, according to Isaiah, is not to just sit around on our hands for God to do something. Uh, waiting is not passive uh, and when it relates to God, sometimes I think about if you're in an abusive relationship, the idea to, to, to deal with that relationship is not to just simply stay in that abusive relationship and wait on God to just sort of magically do something. We need to always be seeking God. We need to always be attentive to the beckoning of God. But to wait on God means to wait in expectation that God is speaking to us, that God is leading us and guiding us us to do something, sometimes action is required when we wait on the Lord. The goal is that when we do act and that when we do move, that we just not get too far ahead of God, that we continue to listen and to wait and to trust in God, to not give up. 
I think this is a good word for me and for you as we continue to live in this pandemic. We do see light at the end of the tunnel. We do see numbers coming down. We do see vaccines being put into the arms of people. We do imagine a day when the church returns to some sense of normalcy and we begin to enjoy some of the things that we were enjoying in a pre-COVID world. But if you're weary from the pandemic, if you're weary from a difficult relationship that you're in or uh, a bad situation at work, or if your kids are driving you absolutely crazy, it's okay to lament that. It's okay to own that. It's okay to acknowledge that. But Isaiah wants us to remember that even in the worst of days that God has always been with us, And that God is at work in and through us. So don't forget that. Keep the faith. And wait on the Lord. And when you wait on the Lord and when you trust in the Lord and and you have the vision like you begin to have a vision like an eagle, you begin to see things that you couldn't see before. You begin to find strength and courage uh, when you're weary from running through the course of this crazy world. That's the promise of Isaiah. That it's the vaccine for weariness if we will just wait and trust. A better day is coming. Salvation is at hand. The Lord is near and ever-present. God loves us. God is at work within us. And God will see us through.